The information provided in this show is intended for your general knowledge only and is not intended to be, nor is it, medical advice or a substitute for medical advice. If you have or suspect you have a specific medical condition or disease, please consult your health care provider. You're now listening to The Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs> What's up, health heroes? Tim James here, founder of ChemicalFreeBody.com and your host for the show that simplifies and demystifies how to live an energetic life with a flat belly. So if you're into a healthy gut and staying young, then this is the show for you. What's up, health heroes? Tim James here. Another exciting episode of the Health Hero Show. Thank you so much for joining me today. I will be riding shotgun with myself. It's just me and you. So, um, and I'm very, very excited about this episode because this episode is actually a groundbreaking episode. We are going to crush the myth that cholesterol and bad fats are what is causing heart disease. I found out that that is not the case. On another show that I do, I was talking about called the Health and Wealth Podcast. Uh, it's mostly financial advisors. And at the end, we flip the script and these guys and gals get to ask me questions about health. Anything goes. And this guy asked me a question about cholesterol and stuff, and I, I gave my knee-jerk answer, which was, you know, um, basically that cholesterol is not a problem. Um, you know, some people have higher amounts of cholesterols. That's hereditary. It's genetic. And they can be at 350. We've seen people at 800, even 1,200 cholesterols, and they're fine. But that's kind of a rarity. But most people, you know, um, from what I, the research and stuff that we see, which was most of the research out there showed anybody under 150, it's pretty much good to go. And so I went with that and I'm like, you know, when you see people eat a plant-based diet, a lot of times they clear up. If you watch uh, documentaries like uh, Forks Over Knives, which we'll come back to this later on how they just heal their arteries, like literally heal their arteries with a plant-based diet. And today you're going to find out why that worked. So it wasn't so much about getting off the animal products. It was more about adding in the plant-based diets and the vitamins and the minerals and stuff that was in them. That was the key. That was the actual key that, that it basically is unlocking this whole cholesterol, bad fat, heart disease myth. This is like so cool because this is a whole, whole new paradigm shift on how we're going to look at heart disease and how to control it. And what you're going to find out today, it's so freaking simple. It's ridiculous. And think about it, one out of two Americans right now are dying of heart disease. And it's literally a silly, stupid, simple solution. And people just need to get the education and then they need to take action in their own lives and then they can heal themselves. It's pretty cool, pretty cool stuff. So welcome, welcome, welcome. And again, the title of this one is the cholesterol, bad fat, heart disease myth. All right, so what is cholesterol? Well, the body makes about 3,000 milligrams of cholesterol a day, which uh, is equivalent to about uh, what's in a pound of butter. So think about that. <laughs> so your body makes a lot of cholesterol um, every day, doesn't it? So why does the body make so much cholesterol? Well, cholesterol is basically the raw material, materials or the building blocks to build cell membranes, which is basically the structural part of the cell, the membrane itself, which allows the flow of nutrients into the cell and waste matter out of the cell. And think about it. We have 360 trillion viral cells. We have 60 trillion bacterial cells. And we have about 6 trillion human cells. So we got a lot of cells, which means all those little cell walls need a lot of cholesterol. And that's why we produce 3,000 milligrams a day 
of cholesterol, which is equivalent to what you find in a pound of butter. So cholesterol is what's really cool about it. It's actually a precursor and a building block for vitamin D. And my goodness, do we need that? Um, that was one of the reasons a few years back I added vitamin D3 to the Green 85 formula because I knew that over 70% of the people listening to this show and 70% of people in North America and around the world are vitamin D deficient. Just there's not enough sunlight, especially, you know, if you're above the 45th parallel. Like right now, it's fall is here. And I mean, it's supposed to be like 18 degrees next week. We, we've already had some snowfall and stuff like that. It went from hot summer to boom, it's cold, right? Well, the sun's gone. Where are you going to get your vitamin D? Well, you're going to have to supplement throughout the winter. And you're going to have to get it from food. But also your body makes it by using the precursor of cholesterol. So cholesterol is so important because vitamin D, if you've been listening to me, you know it's like a little machine gun that shoot, shoots holes in viruses and stuff like that. So it's a protector. It's like having some, uh, it's, part of your, it's part of your immune system. And it's like having some military uh, sharpshooters set in your body waiting for uh, rogue viruses to come in. All right, cholesterol is also an antioxidant and it's an anti-inflammatory agent. It has anti-inflammatory properties and it prevents free radical damage. So one of the biggest problems we have today is inflammation, especially on a cellular level. So cholesterol actually helps to combat inflammatory issues. Cholesterol also helps make bile. Bile is what the body uses to break down fat um, that we consume um, and into usable energy. So bile is actually thicker and heavier in fat. And it needs to be because it needs to be thicker and heavier in the fat so it can break that fat down. Um, cholesterol also uh, binds and inactivates bacterial toxins. So when I read that and I started looking into this, I'm like, wow, cholesterol is actually like part of our immune system. I mean, it's, it's binding to and inactivating bacterial toxins, things that are toxic to our body. So that's part of our immune system as far as I'm concerned. Um, cholesterol, also, if you injure the lining of your vascular systems, like your arteries, veins, capillaries, that kind of stuff, um, the inside lining of, let's say, your arteries, uh, there's these cells there lining it called endothelial cells. And cholesterol actually works like a band-aid. So it comes in there now and then starts, you know, bandaging things up. So it's almost like... Um, I think it was like, uh, I think it was Dr. Dr. Berg said on uh, one of his YouTube videos that it's like, or maybe it was, anyway, some dude, uh, some doctor online on YouTube. And he said that it's like, yeah, the cholesterol is there, but it's like, it's at the crime scene and people are thinking, it's, but it's like a first responder, right? It's there. And, and then people think, oh, well, cholesterol is bad because it's there. No, it showed up there first to help you. Right. So it's basically and why are why are you why are you having why are you having a crime scene on your endothelial cells anyway, that lining of your arteries? And why is that why are you having heart disease? Well, it's from eating shitty processed fried foods, mostly, right? And denatured foods, as you're gonna find out. Cholesterol is also responsible for making sex hormones, testosterone, estrogen, and progesterone. So it's pretty important. Those are some of the things are just just some of the main bullet points of what cholesterol does. We make a lot of it. We use a lot of it. It's really important. And so let's go now to the Western medicine theory that cholesterol and fats cause heart disease. So there's two categories, basically. There's HDL, these high, that's, that's short for high-density lipoprotein. 
aka the good cholesterol, as you've been told, and I've been told. And you should not go, go below a certain level. Otherwise, that's bad. Um, and the HDLs actually come from the vascular system back into the liver to be recycled or eliminated. Right. So it's kind of the leftovers of the LDLs. So let's talk about the other ones, the LDLs. LDLs are the low-density lipoproteins, a.k.a. the bad cholesterol. And those should not go over a certain level. Those go from the liver through the vascular system into the cells and become part of the cell wall and all that stuff we talked about. And then what's left over are the HDLs, and those go back to the liver to be recycled or eliminated. Pretty simple. So LDLs are bad? Well, wait a minute. Why do we produce so many of them? And then they're going to our cells to strengthen our cell walls and do all this other stuff we just talked about. Make vitamin D, anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, helps, helps with bile, binds and activates bacterial toxins, uh, heals your vascular system, makes sex hormones, testosterone, estrogen, progesterone. Why are they bad? It's already not making sense, is it? If you just use common sense. So um, here we go. So when you, when you go see a doctor, they're going to look at your HDLs and your LDL numbers. And if your cholesterol is high, you're going to be prescribed statin drugs, basically. That's what's going to happen. So what are the downsides of statins? Well, first off, before we get into that, where do statins originate from? Well, statins originate from a, a, a substance in nature called red yeast rice. So you take a substance in nature. You find uh, a, a nutrient or something in there that's working for something. In this case, they're wanting to lower cholesterol. And um, there's a substance in red yeast rice that does that. So they take that out. They synthesize, synthesize it, patent it, and they make a profit. And they made big profits, you know, 9 to $12 billion a year when they still had, uh, when, it was, when like Lipitor was still under patent. Uh, now it's, it's generic. It's, I think they're making like $2 billion a year. So they're still making good money, but it was a home run. Uh, drug for Pfizer for a long time. So they go into nature as an example, and they go to red yeast rice, and they and they pull out this this constituent, this nutrient, and then they synthesize it, and they patent it, and they make a profit. That's just what they do. Okay, all right, so what? It's just the same thing with like aspirin. Where does aspirin come from? It comes from white willow bark. So it's like, why not just take white willow bark or red yeast rice if that's what you were trying to do? But in this case, what you're going to find out is that you might not have to. Um, some of the people that I know that are way up in the in the um, uh, you know the plant based community and some plant based healers, they recommend people get on red yeast rice if they have high cholesterol. I used to be one of those people, but after I've learned this, it's like, what well, it doesn't make sense? There's there's another solution that's good because hi having high cholesterol is not necessarily a bad thing at all, as you're going to find out. Okay, so now let's go back to the downside of statins. You're not going to believe what I'm going to tell you. Um, number one, muscle fatigue, including your heart, which is a muscle. So how would you like to get your heart real tired? And then you won't have any energy. Um, you'll have weakness in the body. You block energy to the brain. That's what can happen. Uh, statins can damage your liver. Uh, statins can cause an increase in two type, type 2 diabetes. So they actually cause another disease, right? Genius. Number six, neurological side effects. So you can have some neurological problems. That sounds great. Sign me up. Number seven, headaches. I don't get headaches very often. And um, 
I did a, a new type of liver detox last week and I kind of messed up on the protocol because I was busy doing some other stuff and I ended up having a headache. It was bad, so bad that I could hardly sleep through the night. And then it was finally gone the next day, about halfway through the day. I don't hardly ever have headaches, but I just recently had one. And let me tell you what, it was painful. It was no fun. I was irritable and life sucked. So my, uh, anybody has headaches out there, I'm, oh man, my heart goes out to you because I don't get them hardly ever in my whole life. And I just had one. So it's, it's a downside to a statin drug. Number eight, difficulty sleeping. Number nine, drowsiness. Number 10, dizziness. Number 11, nausea or vomiting. For those of you listening that are on statins or know somebody on statins and they hear this list, they're probably shaking their head up and down. Number 12, abdominal cramping or pain. Um, I'm sure our ladies listening have enough of that with their menstrual cycle. They don't want more. Number 13, bloating or gas. Oh, that sounds great. Or how about this one? Diarrhea. Or number 15, constipation. So it affects different people differently. Either one, I don't want. We don't want you to have bloating or gas or diarrhea or constipation. That is not a high quality of life at all. Um, how about skin rashes? Or number 17, low levels of blood platelets. Oh, great. Now you can't even heal properly. 18, um, certain types of um, rashes or acne. Uh, I mentioned rashes earlier, but the acne was in there. Number 19, memory loss. Number 20, neuropathy. So now you can't feel certain parts of your body, maybe your feet, your hands. Um, they become numb and it's just irritating. And, you know, you could burn yourself and do stuff when you can't, you just can't use your body properly. It's not working right. It's not getting good blood flow. Number 21, sexual problems such as erectile dysfunction or low sex drive. Guys, those are just some of just some of the side effects. It's crazy, right? So basically, like I said, you go into a doctor and if your high density lipoproteins are over 200, boom, you are going to get hammered on. You're going to, they're going to tell you to get a statin. If your low density lipids, LDLs are less than 100 solutions of statin. That's just the way it is, all right? And then watch out for scare tactics. You know, if you don't do this, you got you can have heart disease, you're going to die. You're going to die, and the studies all show it. You got to do it, you got to do it, you got to do it. It's like, okay, all right, let's, all right, let's just pause for a moment and think about that. Try not to be, if you feel yourself in fear mode, I mean, that's not the way it should be. When you're going to a professional, a professional is supposed to make, make you feel good. Like, yeah, might not be the best example, but, Let's say you got in trouble and, um, you know, it was a, uh, you needed to get a lawyer. If you get, and you got the best lawyer in town for whatever that is, it gives you a sense of security because you got somebody on your side. You have somebody there that's going to help you and they're going to calm you down. Say, look, I've been through this a million times before. This is what we're going to do. But if it's, if you go into any industry and like using fear tactics, you know to turn around and go the other way. One thing that I don't like is like when I go into like a, if you're ever shopping for um, uh, furniture and, you know, you're looking at stuff. Maybe it's the first place you looked at. You show up and then it's like, hey, that's that's today's price. If you don't buy it right now, you're not going to get that price. Fear, you know, um, it's like, whoa, what do you what do you mean? So they try to fear you into buying right there because statistically I get it. Sales, they know that if you leave, you're, there's probably no sales. They're doing whatever they can. To, to, to get you to purchase on that day. So, but for me personally, I don't like that approach at all. Um, it has worked on me in the past, I guess, but not so much anymore. I just, I just tell people like, look, I'm going to purchase when I'm ready. 
Um, don't fear me into anything because I'm going to go the other way and find somebody that's going to treat me like a human being and help me calm my fears. Because if you go to a doctor to get help and they're creating more fear, then, you know, fear creates chemicals in the body, which is actually going to lower your immune system, make you weaker, make you more susceptible to heart disease and anything else because your immune system has now been lowered. So that doesn't make any sense to me. All right. So watch out for the scare tactics. Now, up until the 1970s, people's cholesterol levels were considered fine as long as they were under 300. In fact, I've there's some information here. Optimal blood lipid levels as an international report. This is from the University of Minnesota. And there was this dude, Ernst Widener, um, of the American Health Foundation of New York City. Uh, he was an investigator free-ranging entrepreneur into modern medicine and public health. Um, and it shows right here, yeah, in the 1970s, uh, it became concerned with the professional views of what was the normal blood cholesterol levels. Most clinical laboratory forms of that time used the cut point of 300 milligrams a deciliter to flag abnormal. So basically anything below 300 was fine. And then about 1984, uh, a consensus conference of the NHLBI formalized recommendations for a national cholesterol education product pro project um, in the medical and public health community, and they that's where they set the two hundred dollar or two hundred milliliter uh, milligram per deciliter uh, limit. So two hundred is the upper limit for normal, and uh, for the individual, and one thirty as the upper limit for the LDLs. And it's been there ever since. They've been pushing that, pushing that, pushing that. So what I want to do right now is I'm going to take a quick break. And then when we get back, we're going to get into what we've discovered is the real root cause of heart disease. We'll be right back. The average person today is carrying around 6 to 12 pounds of impacted fecal material and mucoid plaque in the small and large intestine. That's gross. But worse, it's super unhealthy. That is why we created Gut Detox Formula. This ancient 1,000-year-old formula from India gently micro-cleanses the intestines, removing all of that funk and gunk and junk that is destroying your health while leaving your good bacteria behind, which is part of your immune system. And there is no diarrhea like most gut detox products, and it's made with the same chemical-free body promise, no stimulants, 100% nature, and always made in the USA. Get yours today at chemicalfreebody.com. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. I am back. Thank you for being here. Today's a very exciting episode. We are undercovering the myth that cholesterol and bad fat cause heart disease. All right, so let's just get right into it. The real root cause of heart disease is high homocysteine levels, which occurs when there's inflammation from the deficiency of vitamins B6, B12, and folic acid. Let me repeat. The real root cause of heart disease is that high homocysteine levels, which occurs when there's inflammation in the body, in the cells, from the deficiency of vitamins B6, B12, and folic acid, with B9, basically. This was discovered in 1969 by a Harvard medical doctor, Kilmer McCauley. So thank God for this guy. So... Before I get into this, is this already kind of to sound familiar before if you've been around? Does this sound familiar to something called scurvy? 
Remember the disease that was ravaging the sailors? It wasn't a disease, was it? It was a vitamin C deficiency. It wasn't a disease. It was a deficiency. And so what did they do? In fact, uh, the British, um, they were called limeys, the, the sailors there, because what did they do? They started taking lemons and limes aboard ship so that they could get their vitamin C. That way they could go out, out in the sea for long periods of time, eat their lemons and limes, and they wouldn't die of a vitamin C deficiency. They weren't dying of a disease called scurvy. They just named it that. And then what they found out was is that lemons and limes, because they didn't have refrigeration back then, would go bad. And then so for super long voyages, people were still getting scurvy, getting sick and dying. So then they found out that there was other plants that you could eat. One of them was the garbanzo bean or AKA chickpea. And those they could put in barrels, dry stored, and then just soak them in water, basically sprout them and then make them 100 to 800 times more nutritious. They probably, I don't know if they knew that back then, but that's what was happening. And then they would also get their vitamin C from their chickpeas. And that way, the sailors could travel all around the world with their dried canisters of chickpeas, sprout them, and they didn't have to deal with the, you know, the side effect of a vitamin C deficiency, which was scurvy, right? There was another epidemic scourge in the 17th century across England, an English disease called rickets. This was in children. And it was later discovered that that was just a vitamin D deficiency from, a lack, again, a lack of sunshine and proper nutrition. So guess what? Here we are again. Here we are again with a number one killer in America. And from everything that I've looked at, it looks like it's a damn vitamin deficiency. That's it. It's simple. And we are being led astray um, for whatever reason. Uh, we'll talk about that more than that later, right? So just to let you know something too, B vitamins are easily destroyed by modern day food processing. That's why it's imperative to eat, un, to eat fresh, unprocessed foods, and today more than ever to supplement with proper, you know, very nutritious, chemical-free vitamins. Uh, things like green 85 is an example. I mean, it has B6 in it. It's got B12 in it. I think it has like 100, over 100% of your B12 in the green 85. So what is homocysteine? Well, the official definition is that it's an amino acid, which occurs in the body as an intermediate in the metabolism of, of meth, <laughs> methylphenylene and cysteine. But let's let Dr. McCauley answer that. So this is why I got so excited when I was doing research for this episode, because I no longer wanted to be giving, dispelling out any information that wasn't correct. If I learned something that I'm saying that's wrong, I will switch. I will tell everybody about it. And I'm moving forward in that direction. And that's what's happening right here, right now. Right. So this is so cool. I found from the uh, July 1999 issue of Nutrition Science News, there was a, actually an interview by a gal named Gloria Bucco. She's an independent journalist and copywriter in Longmont, Colorado, and she focuses on natural health and alternative medicine. And guess what? She got to interview. She did an interview on Dr. Uh, Kilmore McCauley. Awesome. So here's a little bit about Dr. McCauley. Um, written by Gloria. 30 years ago, Kilmer McCauley, MD, discovered that cholesterol and clogged arteries are not the causes, but rather the symptoms of heart disease. Remember when you have heart disease, you start having these little tears in the endothelial cells. The cholesterol is your friend. It's the Band-Aid. It comes in. It starts plugging up the holes, right? It's, it's the first responder. 
and it's not the problem. Okay. So he discovered this years ago, and this was written in 1999. So it's been even farther than that, right? So Macaulay's pioneering 1969 theory that linked homocysteine, an amino acid that accumulates in the blood, and heart disease was not embraced by the medical community. In fact, he was banished from Harvard University and Massachusetts General Hospital and denied a new position for more than two years because of his research. So here he is. This guy's breaking his back. He, he was, as you're going to see in the interview, he's totally excited about this discovery when he's putting together. And then he's banished because he's like, I, I have the solution. I, I figured out the root cause. Oh, we don't want to hear about that. We, we want to, it's fat and, you know, it's fat and cholesterol. We want to keep going with that because, you know, we want to sell some drugs or something. Okay, times have changed from Macaulay. The cum laude graduate of Harvard Medical School has received numerous awards for his research, including the 1998 Linus Pauling Functional Medicine Award. He received the Burton Coleman Science Award from the National Nutrition Foods Association in Newport Beach, California, in honor of his scientific achievements relevant to the natural products industry. So this guy didn't give up. He didn't stop. He kept doing research. He kept doing more and more, and he, and he won numerous awards. I just clipped out a little bit. of This guy is like, you know, he won a lot of awards. He's a smart dude. Okay, so here's actually, I'm going to read to you guys the transcript from Gloria Bucco's interview of Dr. McCauley. And it's like, it's like, you know, going back to, you know, 1999 and get an interview from this dude. So this is really cool. All right. So Bucco says, what were you working on when you made the connection between homocysteine and heart disease? McCauley says, after completing a residency in pathology at Massachusetts General Hospital, I began looking around for a project where I could use my background to investigate the causes of genetic diseases. At a human genetics conference, I learned about the case of a nine-year-old girl who was mentally retarded and had dislocated lenses in her eyes. Uh, she had what was a new disease called a new disease at the time in 1968 called homocysteinuria, which has been discovered in Belfast, Northern Ireland in 1962. The girl's uncle had died of a similar disease in the 1930s, and a review of the case had been published in the New England Journal of Medicine in 1933. The uncle was an eight-year-old boy who came to the hospital with mild mental retardation and dislocated lenses, a characteristic finding in homocysteinuria. At the time, the physicians had no idea what was causing the boy's problems. He developed complications and died of a massive stroke. Doctors later found a blood clot in the carotid artery that caused the child's death. In the case discussion, the pathologist commented that boy's carotid artery had hardening or arteriosclerosis commonly seen in the elderly. So what is the doctor talking about here? He's talking about heart disease in a freaking eight-year-old boy. So was he, he didn't have, you know, years and years and years to eat crappy foods. And uh, this was a long time ago. They didn't have crappy foods back then. Well, a little bit. I believe this boy uh, most likely had homocystinuria and died of arteriosclerosis. I was fascinated by this. I was able to look at the original protocol six of the original slides, and a small amount of the tissue that had been preserved. I made new slides and restudied the tissue, finding that scattered arteriosclerotic plaques in arteries throughout the boy's body. I wondered about the relationship between homocysteine and these plaques. Four months later, I heard of a second case of what was thought to be a homocystinuria. A two-month-old boy was admitted to the hospital for pneumonia and failure to grow properly. He not only had homo homocysteine in the urine, but also another amino acid called cystothionine, the, this was meant that it was a different disease, a new disease. It turned out that this disease, now called cobalamin C, is caused by a deficiency of an enzyme requiring vitamin B12 and folic acid. As a result of this enzyme deficiency, the child produced excess cystothionine and had a low concentration of methothionine in the blood and the urine. Buco comments back. 
What was the significance of this new condition? McCauley. I realized immediately that this was a critical case because if the boy had arteriosclerosis, it would prove that no matter what, the enzyme def defect and no matter what, the met metabolic pattern, patients with inherited diseases causing homocystinuria also developed arterial sclerosis. Because of this, I could attribute formation of the plaques to elevated homocysteine levels. On the other hand, if there were no plaques in the arteries, it would show that an individual could have high homocysteine levels in the blood and yet not have arterial sclerosis. Knowing this was a crucial case, I rushed back to the lab, went to the archives, and found the case of the two-month-old boy that had been filed and forgotten several months before. The original slides and the tissue specimens allowed me to restudy this second case in great detail. The baby had rapidly progressive arterial sclerosis at the age of two months. I concluded from this observation that the elevated homocysteine levels damage the cells and the tissues of the arteries as a direct result of the amino acid in the cells. At that point, I recalled a series of studies published by a pathologist in the late 1940s showing that intermittent severe deficiency of vitamin B6 in the diet causes arteriosclerosis in monkeys. I realized that monkeys must have elevated homocysteine. This has proven true in animal models. I also found another classic animal model of rats deprived of the compound choline. The rats also developed arteriosclerosis and cancer. I concluded that rats must have had elevated homocysteine levels because of failure to convert homocysteine to methylene by folic acid and vitamin B12. This is also proven true. With this observation, I was able to explain two of the most interesting and important animal models in the medical literature. Then Buko commented back. So you put these findings into a paper that was published in the American Journal of Pathology in 1969. McCauley, yes. In that first paper, I described these findings and suggested that the elevated homocysteine was like, likely important for people even without genetic defects, but who might have dietary deficiencies in the B vitamins. I still remember mailing the manuscript and thinking something would probably come of it. I wasn't sure what, but I thought it was a very significant observation. I had no idea I would spend the rest of my career working on this problem. Three weeks later, the paper was accepted without any changes, which is remarkable. After the publication, I was astounded that research scientists all around the world were asking me for reprints because they were looking for another explanation for the cause of arteriosclerosis. Buco says, what led you to being denied tenure at Harvard? Macaulay, for about six or seven years, I continued to work on this project. I made a number of observations and discoveries in homocysteine metabolism. Every experiment I conducted showed something new. It was an exciting time. In the early mid-1970s, I published quite a number of papers presenting evidence that supported the observation of homocysteine and something to do with vascular disease. Then in 1976, the chairman of my department at Harvard retired, and the new chairman told me the elders at Harvard felt I had not proved my theory, and unless I could support my salary from grant money, I would be cut off and have no other position. They moved my lab into the basement where I had no contact with other people. They made the situation so unpleasant, I decided I could not work there. I left in January of 1979 and tried to find another position. For the next 27 months, I was unable to, unable to find a position anywhere in North America that would allow me to continue this work. Buco, why do you think the medical community became so resistant to your work nearly 10 years after you published your first paper? Macaulay, during the first two or three years, my work was presented to the Scientific Advisory Board of Massachusetts General Hospital as a great example of new observations made by someone who had the correct background. They knew exactly what I was doing. I had been publishing papers and giving conferences. 
They told me later they didn't want to have a Harvard or Massachusetts General Hospital associated with my theory because it appeared to contradict the conventional wisdom that cholesterol and fats were the causes of heart disease. I guess some people assumed I knew nothing about cholesterol, when in fact, I had studied cholesterol metabolism with some of the masters, including Conrad Block, the Nobel Prize winner for cholesterol biosynthesis. I had a background in this area, and I knew what I was proposing was significantly different from what was accepted in the literature. I was so different, the establishment reacted against me. My suggestion was that the cause of arteriosclerosis in the general population was an underlying deficiency of certain B vitamins, B6, B12, and folic acid. The role of cholesterol and fats was secondary. This was too much for the establishment to take. I'm going to read this again. He says, my suggestion was that the cause of arteriosclerosis in the general population was an underlying deficiency of certain B vitamins, B6, B12, and folic acid, aka B9. The role of cholesterol and fats was secondary. This was too much for the establishment to take. Buko, do you think the initial skepticism about your theory has changed in light of all the supporting evidence collected in the last 30 years? McCauley, yes. For the first 20 years or so, there was a few of, uh, uh, so there were few of any clinical studies. The ones that were done were mainly in the area of rare and inherited children's diseases or with animals and cell cultures. The theory was not based on human observation. Then in the mid-70s, a human study was published. Uh, by 1985, additional clinical studies were published. Um, during the last 10 years, quite a number of clinical and epidemiological studies have supported and proven the underlying validity of the homocysteine theory. I think that the climate has totally changed, and now there is a wide acceptance of this concept. Every day, a new article about homocysteine is published. There are an explosion of interest. Many of these articles cite my original data from 1969. People have really given me the credit for pioneering this concept. Buco, let's talk a little bit about homocysteine. What is its normal function of the body? Macaulay, homocysteine is an amino acid that's normally produced in the body in small amounts from the amino acid methionine. We know now that the normal role of homocysteine in the body is to control growth and support bone and tissue formation. When I began to study this question, homocysteine's medical and nutritional implications were almost totally unknown. It was only known that homocysteine supported growth in animals. My colleagues and I showed that homocysteine is also involved in a normal human growth process. Homocysteine stimulates the formation of insulin like a growth factor and acts like a growth hormone. Buco. What elevates homocysteine levels? Macaulay, homocysteine becomes elevated in the blood where there is a deficiency of B vitamins, B6, B12, and folic acid. Okay, here it is again. Other factors also play a role. For example, normal aging causes homocysteine levels to rise. All right, so ladies, listen up to this one. So do female hormones. Women have a lower level of homocysteine than men until menopause. After menopause, a woman's homocysteine levels begin to approach those of men. Thyroid hormone controls the level of homocysteine in the blood as well. The kidneys are also crucial. High levels of homocysteine in the blood are characteristic of kidney failure and can lead to a high incidence of vascular disease. So we're not just talking, I mean, cardiovascular disease, but we're also talking about high levels of homocysteine here causing kidney failure, right? He also says genetics also play a role. There's fascinating genetic defect called thermolobile, thermolobile reductase deficiency. About 12% of the population has this hidden 
defect. It increases the amount of folic acid needed to keep homocysteine levels in a normal range. So this thing is called thermolobile reductase deficiency. The reason why I kept this in here is because 12% of us in the population have this hidden defect. So if this is if you're one of them, you need even more folic acid because that's what he says. Increases the amount of folic acid needed to keep homocysteine levels in the normal range. Keep them down. Toxic factor, factors such as cigarette smoking are also important. Also, a number of different drugs and certain industrial toxins can increase homocysteine. What, what are we talking about here? Chemical-free body. You've got to get the toxins and the chemicals out of your body. You have to know where they're coming from. Stop putting them in and, and get them out of your body. Okay, buco. Let's keep going. Doctor, how are the elevated homocysteine levels related to heart disease? McCauley. When homocysteine levels rise, they begin to damage the cells and the tissues of the arteries and stimulate growth of arteriosclerotic plaques, which lead to heart disease. So there it is, guys. When you have a lack of B6 and B12 and folic acid, B9, your homocysteine rises. These, the homocysteine goes in and damages the interior walls of the arteries. And, and then your body uses um, cholesterol to start uh, you know, bandaging things up. And it's the secondary effect. The root cause is a vitamin deficiency. Buco. So how can we prevent homocysteine from reaching these dangerous levels? McCauley. I am a strong believer in dietary improvement, and I believe that the high incidence of arteriosclerosis and heart disease in our population can be traced to diet. This new theory allows us to <laughs> new theory is crazy. This new theory allows us to understand that what we can do to improve our diet. Both folic acid and vitamin B6 are chemically unstable vitamins that are often lost during food processing. It has been shown that the population is not getting enough of these vitamins, and this in turn leads to elevated homocysteine levels. The way to get these vitamins is to eat fresh whole foods, fresh vegetables, fruits, meat, fish, dairy products. We should also eliminate foods that contain highly processed ingredients such as white flour, sugar, and oils. If we do this, we can vastly improve the quality of our diet and increase the intake of these important vitamins. If a person has been eating nutritionally depleted diet his or her whole life, it may be difficult to correct this abnormality by just improving diet. Supplemental vitamins may also be needed. Anyone who has a high risk for heart disease, either from family history or poor nutritional background, or who has early signs of heart disease, probably should take the vitamin supplements to control the homocysteine levels and stop the arteriosclerotic process. Boom. There it is, guys. That is an, uh, oh, wow. There's, oh, man, there's, that's, I think there's a little bit more. Yeah, there's a little bit more in this conversation. So, Buco, what are you working on now? Uh, Macaulay, homocysteine is involved in more than arteriosclerosis. It's involved in the aging process, cancer, and degenerative diseases. Right now, I'm trying to pursue a theory that I've developed about homocysteine. And then he goes on and talks about this other stuff. And, and then she says, um, Buco says, are, you, are homocysteine levels being routinely tested today? Macaulay says, oh, yes. You can request a homocysteine test from a simple blood sample. Um, last year, several new tests were introduced that bring the cost of homocysteine testing down and make it available to any hospital. So testing will be more widespread in the future. Many people in the field believe it's going to be at least as important, if not more so than cholesterol testing, which it should be. That's what's the point of testing, testing cholesterol. We should be testing homocysteine levels. And guys, this is, this was back in 1989 or 1999. So I'm sure by now, like it's just should be not very expensive at all to get a homocysteine test. I haven't looked into it. I'm kind of curious what mine are. Um, and then she asked him about him being the recipient of the NNFAs. 
Burton Coleman Science Award. So there he is. He's winning another award. Okay. So let's do this. Um, that was a big bombshell. You now know about it. Um, no longer will you be duped by high fat and cholesterol being the heart disease issue. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back and wrap up the talk on cholesterol and fats and how they are a myth towards heart disease. We'll be right back. Turmeric has been used for thousands of years all across India and Southeast Asia and is one of the best anti-inflammatory compounds on earth. Now you can get these incredible benefits with the new chemical-free body Turmeric 100 Liquid Drops. This ethically sourced breakthrough solution helps against inflammation and pain. Turmeric 100 is made with the same chemical-free body promise. No stimulants, 100% organic, and always made in the USA. Get yours today at chemicalfreebody.com. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. I am back and um, really excited about this episode. I hope that you are um, feeling a little giddy inside because you have some new knowledge now that's it's very freeing, isn't it, to know this? And like, you don't have to worry about that kind of stuff anymore. Like, that it's like, oh, my cholesterol is this, and oh, I have to do that and live in fear mode. No, it's like, what's your homocysteine levels? And then let's, let's get some, make sure we're getting B vitamins. And so we're going to cover that. We're going to cover like, uh, in conclusion here, you know, what kind of B vitamins, where you get them and all that kind of stuff. But I want to, I want to talk about a couple other things. Um, so just kind of wrapping up here. Um, cause you know, it, it doesn't really do any good to be mad, but you know, it, it's contrast, right? So there's a lot of contrast here. The establishment has known since 1969 from Dr. McCauley's work. He's an insider. He's there. He's a medical doctor at these institutions at Harvard, right? They have known since 1969 from his work that it has been high homocysteine levels from a lack of B vitamins, B6, B12, folic acid in our diets that causes heart disease. So I'm like, okay, well, of course, they'd suppress that. They didn't like what he was doing against their theory or narrative, so they silenced him by taking away his funding and moving him into the basement, and they basically shut him out. He couldn't even get a job for over two years. It was like 27 months. He couldn't even get work. The statin drug industry produced a, uh, produces massive side effects, yet they yield billions and billions of dollars in, in revenues for big pharma. Again, I know Pfizer was making uh, $9 to $12 billion roughly a year. It was a home run drug for them. And then when it went generic, now it's like $2 billion a year, right? So it's a massive, massive moneymaker um, because it's based on these cholesterol levels. Remember back in the 1970s, if it was under 300, you go into the doctor and it's cool. And now if it's under, if it, or excuse me, if it's over 300, yeah, if it's under 300, you're cool. And now if it's um, under 200, you're cool. But if it's over 200, man, you got a, you got a massive problem and you got to be on a statin drug. So take a moment to think about this. Establishment knew that heart disease was caused by vitamin deficiency, yet they pushed forward and promoted statin drugs for a profit, knowing otherwise. This is exactly why you need to become your own doctor. You need to learn how to self-heal. You need to take 100% responsibility for all aspects of your life, including your health and your relationships, your spiritual practice, everything. Because relying on somebody else to do it for you, I mean, all you have to do is ask the question, how's it working for you, right? If you wake up in the morning and you don't feel good physically and you're getting advice from people for a long time and you're just not getting better, you, you, need, you need to change things, right? If... Every day you wake up and your relationship is not working, you need to start working on yourself. That's where it always comes back to self. Start pushing stuff on other people. 
or don't say I'm too busy. I don't have time for all this. It's like, yeah, well, what else are you going to do? You're going to go through life being sick and tired and not feeling good and cranky. I mean, and, and having to be on a bunch of drugs or something like that, that is not, that's not living. You're, you're just existing. You're like, you're basically like a mud puddle. You're just dormant. You're static. There's no movement. There's no growth. And mud puddles breed mosquitoes and they're full of mud. You want to drink out of that? No, I want to drink out of a flowing, clear, crystal stream, you know, clean water. I want to put that in my body. Movement. That's what we need. So anytime you feel stuck in life, just start moving. Go help other people. Volunteer. And, and when in doubt, if you're not where know where to start in your health or start in your life, always work on your health because your health will lift all boats. I promise you that. That's what it did for me. And that's what's done for thousands of people that we've helped around the globe. Okay, so um, here's a list of fresh foods to eat that are loaded with B6, B12, and folic acid. Now, if you're a plant-based person, here's, here's a short list. Green peas. Those are good. Um, there's actually a product out there called Collie Crumbles. I'll give them some, some, some props. They're in a little red box, and it's, it's, a, it's a processed food, but you can find it. It's usually in the frozen section or sometimes refrigerated, but it's mostly frozen. It's called Collie Crumbles. Check them out. For a processed food, that's really good stuff, and the main ingredient is green peas. Okay, so check that out. It's a good plant-based option, especially if you're new and you're looking for meat alternatives. Collie Crumbles are awesome. Good one. Okay, plant-based alternative number two, avocados. I freaking love avocados. Those things are awesome, right? So you can eat avocados. You can have those, put them in your salads. You can eat them. Uh, you can make guacamole out of them. So eat some avocados. Number three, spinach. That's a good one. Popeye used to eat a spinach, right? And he had big muscles. All right, so just don't cook the spinach. You want to eat raw spinach. That's one thing I learned from Dr. Treadwood. When you cook it, you start, you'll actually start closing your pineal gland. It's got some type something in it when you cook it. Um, that's not the greatest. Um, wild rice um, also has um, some good B vitamins in it. Lentils and beans, especially. What do we do with lentils and beans, guys? We sprout them first, right? Which means we soak them in water. We release the natural insecticide or protectant. We activate them. We activate the enzymes. They become 100 to 800 times more nutritious. Lentils and beans are great sources of B vitamins. Mushrooms are another one. Mushrooms are a great source of B vitamins. So eat lots of mushrooms in your diet. And uh, one more, asparagus. Asparagus is a good one. Um, so, and it's kind of fun because your pee smells, right? Kids like that. That's a good one for the kids. All right. So there's some plant-based options to get your B vitamins. Now, animal-based, uh, people that are eating animal-based or more an animal-based diet, you can get it, uh, B vitamins from salmon, and beef, and eggs, and chicken, stuff like that. Um, I'm not making any recommendations one way or the other at this point. I'm just, because some people, you know, I know that, some people eat 100% plant-based. Some people eat 100% you know, carnivore diet. And then there's all kinds of people in between. So that doesn't matter. It's just like, what are your results? It's like everybody has a different body. What's working for you? So now I want to come back to what I was talking about uh, in the beginning. So I think I was off a little bit you know, because I was still bought into the numbers theory with cholesterol. So I've completely ditched that. I'm focusing now on the whole, it's not scurvy. Okay. You don't have a disease. You have a vitamin C deficiency. It's the same thing. Okay. You don't have heart disease. You have a bite. You have B vitamin deficiency. That's your problem, right? So when you watch a movie like Forks Over Knives and you see, uh, you know, like Dr. Esselstein and, and he's, and he's, they have, 
pictures of a diseased artery and they put somebody on a plant-based diet and literally the diseased artery heals itself. I can't say at this point in time, knowing when I know that it was exactly um, attributed 100% to a plant-based diet, even though the plant-based diet did the work. It was the B vitamins that they got from the plant-based diet, right? Now, with that said, I eat mostly plant-based. I mean, I'm, in fact, for the first eight and a half years of, of my journey, uh, when I was fat and I was bleeding rectally and had all those issues, I was a, well, the first five and a half years, I was a living fooder. I only ate living foods, meaning sprouts, sprouted nuts, sprouted seeds, sprouted greens, sprouted beans, all that kind of stuff, seeds, all that. And then I started doing some more cooked food, vegan stuff. Eight and a half years, I didn't touch a stitch of meat. And I grew up on a farm hunting and fishing. I mean, our, our motto was, if it flies, it dies, it's brown and down. So just to put that into perspective, if you're new and you haven't listened, like I'm redneck, used to be, and I'm still in them. I got it in me and I'm proud of it, you know, for a lot of other reasons. But um, I just, you know, I, I kind of started, and then I ate a little bit of meat and it didn't, and more meat and it didn't make me feel good. So I went back up the plant-based ladder and that's where I'm at today, right? So I eat pretty much mostly plants. But if I pick some real mushrooms in May, and I want to have a morel omelet with some eggs, I'll do it. And I don't make a big deal about it. And I don't freak out about it, right? Because I used to eat meat back in the day. And then when I went plant-based, you know, it was like I was running around like this because uh, I was feeling so good. I want to tell everybody about it. But you don't want to be the person that's like, what are you doing? You're killing those animals. Well, uh, dude, like three weeks ago, you were eating them too. Okay, now that you're doing this. So this is a message to the plant-based community is like, you're not going to really get anywhere by chastising other people for eating meat, even though you have a different viewpoint because things have shifted. We just have to meet people where they're at. And the, and the reality is where we're meeting people at is that this is where we're all working class people. We want our friends and our family and our community to be healthy. The best way to do that is become healthy yourself and lead by example, not running around telling people what to do. Because if you tell somebody what to do, they're going to hang on to it even more. And then they're, they're going to like screw you and they won't talk to you and they're not going to do what you want. If you want to help them, be the example and then give them documentaries and stuff like that. I mean, even the, the documentary we're talking about now, Forks Over Knives, it's freaking awesome. I'm still, I recommend it all the time and I still will because it gets people to eat more plants and it wakes them up that, wow, plants heal, right? And I actually got that as a huge download from my ayahuasca experience. Water is sacred. Plants heal. We have to get back to that. And as you can see, once again, it's vitamin deficiencies. We don't have disease out there. We have a vitamin deficiency. Our focus is on the wrong thing. We're looking at the disease and trying to cure it with something that's made in a lab rather than looking at the root problem, which is a vitamin deficiency and eat the damn vitamins. Why is this so difficult? All right. So back to, back to what I was talking about. Um, forks over knives, plant-based diet heals uh, they were talking about it healing and turning, you know, um, heart disease into a toothless tiger. I totally agree because, but it's, we have to be specific here. It's not, it's not about the animal fats that were clogging up the arteries. The reason why the art, the animal fats were clogging up the arteries is because the homocysteine levels were high. Those amino acids were scarring the inside of the arterial lining. And then the plaques from the animal fats and stuff like that was in there bandaging it up and filling up the arteries, okay? So when people started eating more plants, 
with B and getting B vitamins, they started dropping down homocysteine levels and then and it cleared up. So, um, do I think people should eat a lot of meat? Well, you know, um, some people actually might have to, I mean, I've, I've seen it where their, their, their body's so screwed up, but I, what I think is, is that everybody's case is different, right? Everybody has a different genetic background. You have different factors. Maybe you're living next to 5G, a bunch of smart meters. Maybe your family's all eating the same crap foods. Maybe your water supply is poisoned. Maybe you're in a, a, a stressed out uh, relationship. There's all these other factors. And what I've seen is because I, I've just been doing this work for a long time, and I've seen that there are some people out there that I've talked to in person that are like, I went to pretty much eating all meat and I feel better than I felt in a long time. Okay, that's great. But I think what well, the reason why they got to that point was is because of stress. They were stressed out. They had long-term nutrient deficiencies and they have chemical pollution on a cellular level. They're basically cellular constipated with toxins. So for me, I wouldn't be like, okay, that's working for you now. Great. But we still need to detox. We still need to get your cells need to get cleaned up. And I believe what I've seen is that when we start cleaning up that cellular constipation, we get the toxins out of the fat, the muscle tissue and the cells, the brain, then some of these other foods can come back. And I've seen people have food allergies to 10, 20, 30, 40 foods. And within six months to three years, as they get detoxed and cleaned up, all of a sudden they can eat all those foods again. So maybe some of those people that are, are can only eat carnivore right now could go back and eat some fresh veggies and stuff like that, some things they like, because there's nothing wrong with fresh veggies, for God's sakes. It's just that if you eat them and they make you feel like crap, of course you don't want to eat them. It's because your body's all wonky because you're so polluted on a to toxins on a, on, on a micro level, right? So when in doubt, everybody should just be detoxing all the time. That's why I take gut detox every morning. I take toxin detox every morning. Um, I drink my green 85 twice a day take my alpha energy. I take super soul. I do all these things. I take a sauna, infrared sauna every freaking day. I drink copious amounts of purified restructured water. I have my air purification system going on. I created an environment for my cells to thrive. That's what I've done because no matter and how much I do this, there's toxins in the air we breathe. It slips into the food. There's still some left in the water, even all the stuff I go through. So I'm always trying to stay ahead of the game and give my cells the best environment that I can so they can operate at the highest level. So, you know, when, it, when we're talking about, you know, this meat thing and the plant-based thing, what I've, what I always suggest people to do is like, just start eating more fresh foods. That's it. And more plants, more plants. And if you are going to eat meat, stop eating meat. That's got nitrates and nitrates and that stuff, at least move towards like grass fed, no hormones, no antibiotics, move that direction. Movement is the key. Because you're going to start feeling better. Just keep moving, keep moving, trying new things, cleaning up the diet, fresher foods, get sprouts in your life, please. And if your grocery store doesn't have it, you don't want to grow them, ask the grocery manager to start bringing sprouts in. Sprouts are a living food. That is a whole nother level of medicine that you can be popping into your body. It's not just, well, I'm going to eat some sprouts because I'm, a, oh, Tim's a granola, you know, eating, he's, he's a hippie and he wants me to do it. No, you're going to eat sprouts because it's living foods for your living body. There's a whole nother set of medicine that comes into your body that can heal you and prevent disease when you eat living foods. That's why you want to do it because you're smart. You're, you're getting educated and you know that that's good for you. That's why you would want to do it. All right. So 
I'm very excited about this episode. I hope I thank you guys for for sticking around and listening. And um, I hope uh, that you share this episode with other people because it's really important that we have to this echo chamber right here. We can get this out to as many people as possible and let them know that they don't no longer have to worry about heart disease. They can just focus on making sure they have good quantities of vitamins, B6, B12, and, and folic acid, B9. There, there we go. We want to lower their homocysteine levels, and, um, and we want to eat more fresh foods. So eat more. I, I will say that, though. Eat, eat, once you get detox, 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 and most of you, though, you will be able to eat more plants. Your health is going to improve. So go up the scale in a percentage of weight, food by weight. Go up the scale. If you're eating 10% of your food by weight now, it's plant-based. I would say go to 20. Chew your food really, 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 really well. Avoid liquids with meals. And do some breath work before you eat. And go up that ladder and keep working your way up that ladder. And work your way up to 100%. Maybe you then you go like, okay, I'm 90%. Now I'm going to go 100% plant-based for, for, for 30 days. Do that. And then start coming back down. You can reincorporate some animal-based products into your life. And then if it's if you find a set point, it's like you start feeling worse, go back up, find your set point. I don't know what it is. Maybe you feel best at, you know, 70% plant-based. Maybe you feel best at 82%, or maybe you're feel best at 100 percent And don't forget, as you age, things can change. All right. I thank you guys so much for tuning in. I hope that this, this episode has impacted you and your health and your life and your family. Um, and gives you hope that you don't have to worry about dying of heart disease just because your uncle and your mom and your dad and everybody else in your family had it, that it really is a toothless tiger. Um, plants do help, but the bottom line is, is that once again, we have a nutrient deficiency on our hands. We don't have a disease. And this is totally doable by the, on the individual basis. You can literally learn how to heal yourself. And I hope that this opens the door for you to do your own research and find out about it and start experimenting on yourself with different types of foods, get, making sure that you're getting B vitamins into your life. And, um, you know, cause we just want you to feel good and we want you to wake, we, we want you to wake up and feel good. That's it. And have a great life and be a contributing member to society and be happy and, you know, uh, just brighten a room when you walk in it. So Again, thank you so much. I appreciate your guys' support. Uh, please share this episode. Thank you for liking um, the episode and subscribing. Um, our viewership keeps continuing to grow. And I will be back very soon to give you guys hopefully some more good interviews and some more good information that you can apply to your life to get results. Until next time, change yourself, change your world, and I'll see you again soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening again to The Health Hero Show. I'm your host, Tim James. And remember, change yourself, change your world. And we'll see you again on the next episode. Talk to you soon. You have just listened to The Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs>